This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining the Tahanabak podcast, sponsored by Six Yards Out and Pearson's Bar in Hull. Tonight, we have a very exciting interview hosted by me, Nathaniel, and uh, co-host Tom. Uh, we've got former footballer and current uh, presenter of Sky Sports coverage of the Championship and uh, other leagues, perhaps, uh, David Pratton. So thank you very much for joining us. How are you, David? I'm really well. Gents, thank you very much for getting me on. It's a pleasure. I've heard a lot about it. I've seen a lot of your stuff. Um, and in direct contrast to what the last 10 minutes have been, I hope the next, however long we're going to chat, is extremely professional and very straightforward. Yes, the last 10 minutes has me uh, been trying to download the thumbnail. So that's all sorted. Um, everything looks great. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Um, and uh, another mistake I made, might as well admit to all of it, um, I said that uh, I've got my notes that you've played almost 50 games. Um, so a, a really fantastic career. Uh, very, it, very it, might, it might have been all relative. It might have been almost 50 half-decent games in almost mm. 100. <laughs> that that oh, might well. be something that, that... That might have been your train of thought, Nathaniel, and I wouldn't That's totally understand, mate. Very, very modest of you. Sure, if I was watch plenty of uh, Putin's games. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, at some point, Alex is probably going to come up and comment saying I wasn't born when you were playing. He, he likes yes. to say that. Well, come on then. How old are you, Nathaniel? Then I am twenty years young. Third year of university, and Tom, how old are you? I'm twenty-three. I finish uni twenty twenty. So fantastic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Out, out in the big wide world, how are we finding it? Almost. Um. Well. I work for this company, sports training company for sports mm-hmm. broker. So yeah, I write yeah. like the content for them. So Fantastic. we're like, so do you know um, football index? Yes, um, I do. It's it's similar to that, but mm-hmm. it's it's training with football clubs, not players, because the right. if you do it with players, it was like quite volatile. Whereas the clubs, okay. so, so you you invest in a club, 
Um, and obviously, if they win, the share value goes up, and then yeah. obviously lose it goes down. So I write obviously stuff on that. So, was that straight out of uni then? Um, no, it took me a year and a half and to get this job. So okay, yeah, sounds like good fun though. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, a year and a half of grind then, Tom. Pardon? <laughs> on the grind for a year and a half to get the job. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, that was yeah, a different thing entirely. Yeah. I know, so I was thinking, I was thinking, what's the other about there? <laughs> you get jobs on there nowadays, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Shall we move swiftly on to, yeah, to yeah, football? Ones, yeah. Okay, so you've played for uh, many clubs, including Nottingham mm. Forest, um, in the Premier League for Southampton, Leeds United. We, we don't really like them on this podcast. Okay, okay, no reason. Yeah. Um, Swindon and Sheffield Wednesday, uh, I'm not really sure we like them either, do we, Tom? Okay. No, uh, not well, hugely, but... Oh, yeah. yeah, I really hate Swindon, yeah. Oh, yeah, especially <laughs> got, Swindon. Got, got, got a huge of, of clubs from Wiltshire. <laughs> yeah. being, being out on, in, in the East Riding, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so just, uh, and you were playing as a midfielder for those amazing uh, 50 games you had. Uh, just talk <laughs> us through it. What was the journey for David Crutton as a, as a player and what were the highs and lows? Um, well, I was... As we all are, avid fans of football from a very young age. Grew up not too far from <clears throat> Boothby Park, just off uh, Springbank West. Played with my mates, got into football, uh, kind of properly Sunday league type stuff with Hesler Rangers, which I'm sure if you are in the whole area, then you'll know exactly where Hesler Rangers is and what Hesler Rangers are. Mm-hmm. Um and then played for Humberside when it was Humberside. That's before your time, gents. I think I would be right mm-hmm. thinking. Um, and um, kind of progressed through there. Went to Hymer's College in town, which is obviously a rugby playing school, <laughs> hmm. which uh, probably might feed into a question late, late, uh, latterly when you ask me about particular sections of Hull City fans not liking me. That would be one reason, <laughs> to be fair, if you've been to Hymer's College. Hmm. Um, but, and then f- from there, I think I got spotted playing for Humberside to go and trial for... Nottingham Forest, and I'd been at the centre of excellence at Hull City. So when it was Boothry Park, the big dusty gym off the back, which leaked and was in very much disrepair. We used to train there for a little bit um, and was at the centre of excellence for probably about a year, two years. Nothing really came of that. Um, Forest got in touch, went to go and play and train with Forest. John Hawley was a was a player that, um, a former player, of course, that was uh, taking us for training. And we'd go twice a week backwards and forwards between Hull and Newark, where they played and trained. And then on a Saturday morning, go and play for the youth team. And then when I left school at 16, after my GCSEs, went into football full-time uh, on a on a scholarship, which they were back then. I don't think it's quite the same now. Um, and fortuitously, and with some hard work, managed to make my debut at 18. And then it kind of progressed from there, really. It was a very... Um, ambitious, very motivated, very energising place to play with Paul Hart in charge of the youth team. He could crack the whip, which I think when you are young men <laughs> or young boys together, mm. you need that um, discipline. Um, <clears throat> and then in 2003, I got the chance to go to Southampton, who were then in the Premier League, which was fantastic. I had four years there, two very good ones, two not so good ones. Ending up in me coming out and going to that mob down the M62 Leeds, which was... Sorry to say, fantastic fun. I mean, they're mm-hmm. wearing League One at the time. I mean, and 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 as as a kind of parallel story, it was um, I remember texting with Ian Ashby. So when Hull City got to the Premier League with that wonderful Dean Windass volley, we were obviously in the same playoff weekend playing Donny. 
And whereas Hull mm. City turned up and got the job done, we turned up and didn't get the job done. We were terrible, tail between our legs, back down to Ellen Road, trying again the next season. Didn't quite come off. I then progressed to the likes of Colchester. Colchester after that was Swindon, obviously. Jonathan, which you, uh, sorry, Nathaniel, which you hate. Um, don't know where I've got Jonathan from. Um, and then I had a chance to go and play at Sheffield Wednesday, which again was wonderful. Uh, little loan spell at Scunthorpe, which again, I mean, if you mention Scunthorpe in a whole city sense, just because it's across the water, is there any form of um, debate with that? I mean, I could, I can't think for a, a second that it w- would have ever been a rival of any real note, unless I'm um, doing a huge disservice to that that part of Lincolnshire. I, I, it's, it's similar with Grimsby as well. People, yes, does, does that? Uh, it's because Hulls are in the sticks. Is we don't really have a, a direct <laughs> rival, so. We but don't know. Since there's teams around the area, I think sometimes it's like if they're wearing our division, then we'd look forward to that game more than other games because it's that close. Uh, whereas usually in recent yes. seasons, our closest game has been Leeds United. So, mm. you know. Yeah, Leeds are the rival at the moment. But yeah, that, if we were actually in the same one. league as Scunthorpe or Grimsby, yeah. we'd be rivals, but we never, we never are. And having worked on those games, um, which have been. Entertaining games. I mean, probably not from the whole city persuasion. There was one which was quite a, a chastening defeat, wasn't it? Um, but I think, um, given the geographical element, I think you're absolutely right, Tom. As well, given where Hull is, it, it's yeah. there, there is sometimes it feels like a semblance of looking around for who is that rival, yeah. where are they, what, what can we hang our particular hat on? But so coming off the back of that, just to very, very, very quickly bookend what I was saying there, ended up on loan at. Coventry, who Coventry were then playing at Northampton, which again was uh, a bit of a of an experience in its own right. And then meander to a close at 32, and then at 32, you're still a relatively young man, and then you've got to pull your finger out and do something else, which is what I've been doing for about eight or nine seasons now, which has been great fun. Yeah, so going back to your early career, like hmm. I want to ask how the opportunity came about to sort of get into the Nottingham Forest setup. Like how do you how does the scouting work and like it, because it, you see a lot of players sort of sit for, slip hmm. through the net and not get given the opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know yeah, right. you can get like trials on the day the player might not turn up yeah. and do the best. And then was it a, a slight a bit of luck? Was it a bit of obviously <laughs> obviously there was a lot of hard work involved. Like Yeah. What? There's yeah. it's a it's all that, Tom, to be honest, mate. Yeah. It's all that. it's it's opportunity. It's coincidence it's mine was a, a bit it sounds like a bit of an old-fashioned story doesn't it the, a, a scout comes wandering up to you and your old man after a game and says what, what, what have you like where have you played who, who do you play with are you affiliated to a club yeah and because i'd only kind of there'd been a passing kind of relationship with hull city which was all which like i said was all kind of school boy trials based and training based and yeah. that was all um done in that dusty old gym uh, and this uh, a scout called Mel Hackett, lovely fella, um, spoke to me and my dad, or my dad and I, and then went down and started training with them. Well, it wasn't necessarily a trial from what I can remember, but it was training with them, which yeah. would have been about 14, which obviously it's different now. I mean, my, my lad's 11, just turned 11, and you get kids signed up to academies at eight, nine years old. Uh, and then, so I started playing. They had an under seventeens and under nineteens, and then I started playing for the under seventeens on a Sunday. Oh, sorry, on a Saturday morning, which then stopped me playing Sunday league football and also the rugby that I was playing at, at school as well. Yeah. Um, 
And then you get to that kind of last year. So in that GCSE year, so you're getting towards, so you're like 15, 16. Scholarship. Obviously, you come to leave school. Yeah. yeah. And then they either say, yes, we want to sign you or no. So I, I signed a YTS till I was 17. And the good thing was I left school at 16. I was 17 in the September. So I joined there in July, had July, August, got into September 10 pro another three-year pro contract. Now, I have no idea right now how prevalent they are. Um, The the last few years that I was actually playing, you'd hear young lads getting six months to a year contract. And in my head, I'm thinking, my God, at that age, what can you prove in six months? What can you prove in a year if you don't get the opportunity? And I, so I'd turned pro and was playing for the, it would would have been the under-19s at the time, which was a really good team. I mean, uh, we had... Andy Dawson was in there. Kevin Dawson was in there. Obviously, Michael was coming up hot on the heels of those two. It was a wonderful. Yeah. It was a wonderful footballer. Andy Reid, Jermaine Jennis, so Marlon Herwood was in it as well. <clears throat> so many talented players that went on to have good careers in football. Yeah. Um, so we we had a great platform. And then by the time I turned eighteen in that September, the following season. Um, I played a reserve, a couple of reserve games. One that the manager at the time, David Platt, was watching and seemed to be quite impressed. And then there was an injury kind of crisis. There was a kid who lived in the digs in the room next up because we lived in a big house next to uh, the city ground in Nottingham. So, and he was in the room next to me, lovely uh, Irish fella, Kevin Doyle, not the Kevin yeah. Doyle that went on to go yeah. play the Wolves, but <laughs> another Kevin Doyle. Um, he played at Sheffield Wednesday in a reserve team game. Double compound fracture of his leg, snapped his leg in half. Oh. This, this particularly unpleasant player. Uh, He was probably better than me on the ball. He probably wasn't as fit as me, but he was a very, very good footballer, a very good footballer. And by process of elimination, because of this kind of injury crisis or debate, he'd have been the next off the rank to go and play in this uh, League Cup game against Bristol City. He was obviously out, never really came back, unfortunately for Kevin. Like I said, a a real slice of deep, deep misfortune. but as that as is football, because it's a team game, that door shuts for somebody else. It opens for someone else. Yeah, yeah. You played in that reserve game. I remember you you weren't crap. Let's give him a blast. Get chucked in. Then after that, you left to your own. You, it's down to what you can do on that particular day. But it was it's a it's a process of sliding doors. I think, and I, I'm not trying to say that it all felt very very straightforward because I'm trying to obviously remember something that's 25 years in the past now. But it's that sense of opportunity and when not, if you're ready for opportunity if you're prepared then you're going to step through the doors that are open uh but also the very the support of a loving family the support of loving coaches and um other teammates that pushed you on and spurred you on because as much as it was an ambitious cutthroat place that we play football in at forest every single one of those players were, were friends and teammates and and we spurred each other on it, it was it was such a wonderful wonderfully kind of fertile hotbed of ambition that, that drove each, each and every player on. Yeah, that, that that sounds good. Like I think that's what you need as a as a young player mm. coming through. You need that the experienced players around you to sort of um give you that opportunity and you know give you the confidence I say like I, I saw there's a similar story with Marcus Rashford when he first made his debut for Man United. Um I think it was Will Keane, another youth player was injured. They was meant to be on the bench and obviously Rashford mm. got his chance and took it. So like we may not have seen Marcus Rashford today if he didn't get that chance at that, at that time because I think, like, I think Will Keane at that time was scoring more goals than him in the youth setup, and then he mm-hmm. had a serious injury and then obviously Rashford um, you know obviously the, 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 what Steps sort through. of player is today yeah but that's, that's it, sometimes it's, you know, that, it's this slice of bad fortune for that player but 
obviously, the, the player coming through, you've, you've got to take a chance, and obviously, that's what you yeah, do. And, and the other, the other part about it is, Tom, you, you've there's a certain element of compartmentalizing there because you are talking about teammates and mates, and I knew Kev really well, but like I said, literally. My door opened where his door opened, and we were next yeah. door to each other in these days where there's 20 other lads all trying to make it in football. Um, and I don't remember, unless I'm, I'm misremembering any form of malice, that other, anything other than people buzzing for you, you know what I mean? Like someone's got in, and whoever was before me, someone's got in, someone's got in, and it opens the door. It, it, it goes, it makes you to makes you really think and appreciate the fact that, especially Forrest at that time, um. And it's got a history of being able to produce young players. Um, it was a place that you, if you were good enough and the opportunity was there, they would play you as young players. Like I said, yeah. it could be completely different now. I, 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 the inner machinations of what a football club is. Um, I don't know. The, the, the wild spectrum of, of what you look at, what is a well-run football club and what it looks like, someone who just comes in and buys players. Experience of, the experience I have. Cutting off a bit, yeah. Oh, it is cutting off for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was wondering whether that was me or not, but I uh, hope yeah. we can get uh, David back very soon. But that's very interesting what you're saying about yeah. how you get into football. And uh, I mean, I was just going to ask in a second about um, I can link it to uh, as is as he's mentioned before, um, how some whole city fans don't seem to like him very much. But if there was ever a chance for him to get into and play for whole city from an early age coming up um, in the area but seems like you know you can't really be picky uh, with what team you're going to start to play from at that at that age to get an opportunity to be scouted is just you know uh, a huge honor from whoever yeah hopefully we can get him back very yeah. soon but been a very good interview so far um yeah. have we got anyone in that's we'll watch how many we've got watching I don't know, but if there is anyone else uh, watching live, definitely put your questions yeah, in because we'd, we'd love to have a few more to ask David from uh, the loyal listeners we do have. Um, what else? I mean, I'm looking forward to hearing about him uh, working with Neil Warnock on his podcast later. Yeah. Um, if he's going to come back on, uh, die for three points. Here he is. There he uh, is. Maybe we can get back soon. Uh, who's in there? Uh, huh? Pardon? Is this North Yorkshire internet, West Yorkshire internet, or East Yorkshire oh, internet? Take your pick. I think it's West Yorkshire. I, d- I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think my Wi-Fi has been fine for once. But, uh, yeah, um, you were just saying how, how difficult it is to get into any academy. Um, some fans uh, might be wondering uh, if you were uh, raised in whole, why you didn't play for them. But it just seems you can't really be picky uh, yeah. um, choosing a team to, to start with. Would you agree I, with I, that? Yeah, I never got properly asked. Never got properly asked. There was, hmm. there was, um, and I'm not saying in the sense of like it's that rolling out of the red carpet asked at all. It's just literally, I wasn't deemed good enough at the time to go and play for them, so I wasn't, I wasn't tapped up or offered the opportunity. So when something a bit more concrete came into playing for Forest, that's that's exactly why, exactly why that happened. Um, I don't know. I mean, the whole city that I watched as a kid, very briefly, about a season, was an old Division Three team uh, in a stadium which obviously had a lot of history. It had a wonderful football pitch. Boothby Park's surface was yeah, fantastic. My dad said it was my dad, my dad said it was one of the best pitches in the country. When it was amazing, uh, absolutely yeah. amazing. It, it was like a bowling green. Um, 
and watched many a, a, a game there, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Um, but yeah, just just never had the opportunity. And that that I, I don't know whether we'll come on to it, but that was the case throughout all of my career. There was a, an occasion which had been brought up via a, a, and I don't know whether I'm again misremembering this or misread it about. Phil Brown mentioning the fact that I'd had a chance to join, which was rubbish. If I'd have had a chance mm. to join the whole city at the time that they were talking about, I'd have crawled up from where I was in Southampton on across broken glass. Metaphorically, was that, um, was that <laughs> when? Together. Was that the season we got before we got promoted to the Premier League? Was that? From I think it would have been. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had a bit of a dodgy time at Southampton. I'd managed to go bonkers at a ref and attract attention to myself, which isn't great when you're a footballer. But that sense of um, what it could have been, um, yeah, I, I very definitely was would have been completely up for joining and, and completely up for being part of what they were doing because it because it was such a is that me back now because it was such. Um, I know we go. I was wondering where it was. <laughs> that is good. I'm, I'm I'm better in the dark um, for most things, uh, and it was um, just such a a. a a forward-thinking, progressive place, City at the time, completely. Like I said, and knowing Ian Ashby a little bit like I did a long time ago, it would have been a great... And that journey that a lot of them went on from League Two all the way to the Premier League has established those players as, as proper legendary Hull City players. You know what I mean? You, you can yeah. you can go back in the sands of time and, and see players that um, very much stick out. So the era that I was watching was very much kind of Andy Payton, Peter Swamp, in Hesford, people like that. Um, but that team that managed to drag them from the brink of extinction all the way up into the Premier League are, are, are absolutely cast in stone, aren't they? Yeah, I think if you did join City, I reckon it would have been a similar story to like Nick Barnby. Um, you know, like he dropped down a couple, like a couple of divisions. Mm. You know, he was playing for Leeds at the time. They were obviously getting relegated and then he obviously dropped down to League One. Um, and then, obviously, he was, I was obviously seen as a legend at City. So it's... I think, I think j- just just in the interest of, of total self-awareness, I understand that Nick Barnby was a fundamentally yeah, better different. player than I ever yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. Just, just a, little, little, yeah. a little bit different. But I, 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 I t- I, yeah, you're right, Tom, I totally get it. Um, but then, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a... What's, what's the word? I don't know whether fatalist is the right word, but... I, I always think that, you know what I mean, almost those kind of Forrest Gump moments when you sat in the background just trying to not get in the way of messing things up. I've joined Southampton. Um, I played one game in the FA Cup for Forrest against West Ham. I was captain down at Upton Park. I then got transferred. Uh, so I was cup-tied. And then Southampton subsequently gets to the 2003 <laughs> FA Cup final. So oh, I uh... stood there pitch-side at um, the Millennium Stadium. like, mm. And then Steve Wigley, one of the coaches, said, oh, you feel for you. And I was like, what? And he said, well, you know what I mean, playing here. And my cynical take on it, and that's probably hopefully a sense of what an upbringing in Hull gives you, that kind of black sense of humour, was like, Christ, if I'd have been playing, we might have got, we would have got nowhere near this final. <laughs> we'd, we'd have been knocked out of Millwall in like round four or, you know what I mean? Yeah, like that. So, sort of degrading yourself. But, cyn- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Degrading yourself for the humour, yeah. So you mentioned about Southampton. Like, what was your hmm. what was your time like there? Like, in contrast to Forest. So obviously you moved on. Um, Forest obviously was relegated, weren't they, when you was there? And then you moved on to Southampton. No, For- Forest. I tell you what, Forest managed to hit rock bottom a little bit later on. I, I was I was there when we were in League One, which was crap. Yeah. Um, but the I left in January. That 
summer they got not summer so like May time they got to the playoff semi-final so they played Sheffield United um, yeah. by left in the January because the chance to go and play in the Premier League was, was something that I'd, I'd always dreamt of and um, it all happened very quickly um, and then so I had two two I well in my kind of memory with decent years there playing in the Premier League playing at these places that you'd only watched on TV against these players that were like superhuman. That Arsenal team with Henri and Vieira yeah. and people like that, you just kind of look back and go... Yeah. How good spend... were they then play? oh. playing against them? Was it just... Well, Unreal. Ju- just just think, you know when you come across football teams and you'd have both played in football teams and both played against teams, that yeah. you get a big lad who's a bit slow, you get a smaller fellow who's a bit more skillful, you get, I don't know, a stocky lad who's quite strong but not so good on the ball. That lot were all over six foot very good on the ball, very yeah. quick, very strong, and very fit. So you're kind of going, well, I can't outrun them. I'm not gonna, I'm not tougher than them because you get tackled by Patrick Vieira. You, you, your skeleton shakes. You kind of go, oh Christ, that that that's really painful. Yeah. Um. So you kind of going, well, what do you do? And then you, you find yourself just hanging on for dear life. If you, if I'm brutally honest, what and what we had as a team, which is what Gordon Strachan put into us, was as a team, we could collectively challenge people. Um, and when we were on it as a team, we 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 found it tough. Yeah. But then Gordon subsequently moved on. I, I think he promised his wife, because it, him and his wife, it's like the perfect kind of golden uh, coupling of decades. And um, lo- love each other very much. And the very, I mean, they were a wonderful example of, of matrimony. Um, and I think he promised her a bit of time away, and then he kind of announced it. And I was like, oh, "Christ, yes, I'm playing the Premier League, but I'd come to play for you because I think you're fantastic, and you're going to keep us on the straight and narrow, and you're going to get this much out of me." And then he moved on, and then it kind of meandered a little bit. I think we had four different managers in a calendar year, which, if you're talking about this back in 2004, that's more than Watford, I think. That's more than exactly, Watford, but. Nowadays, it doesn't sound as bad. Yeah, back then, that must have been uh, uh, quite shocking. You're right, Nathaniel. And it, it, it was it was bizarre, but then you end up kind of, am I in, am I out? Does he like me? Does he not like me? Are we going to yes. go here? And, and it's it's just a bit disconcerting. And, and I mean, I completely didn't help myself by putting myself in a position to get suspended for a long time. Um, and with it, the kind of coverage that that gets. And there's a perception that you're... That if you have that type of player, then you're going to be a problem. Um, and then injuries is the first real time that I've really encountered injuries. So I broke a metatarsal only because Beckham and Rooney had done it. Uh, knackered ankle ligaments because I got smashed by um, who was it? Paddy McCarthy, I think, at Leicester. Um, so I spent a good six to eight months trying to sort those two separate injuries out. Then had surgery on the on said ankle after rehabbing it for three months. So then probably missed collectively about a year's worth of football. Uh, and then by the time you come back to it, your two managers down the line and you kind of think, well, I'm a bit surplus to requirements here. Then meander off back up north to where Leeds United had completely bottomed out with no money, <laughs> with no players, with no perceived future. And Dennis Wise in charge. What could possibly go wrong, eh? What was it like where, going, obviously, from Southampton to Leeds? Like, what was the... Changing environment, like obviously you've gone from it Southampton was, in the Premier. Now I, I was, I was glad to get back up north. I'll be honest, I was glad to get back. Um, but it was a very because a year before I'd been for a medical at, at 
Leeds, and it it took three days. So the fellow that picked me up was, um, was oh god, I can't remember his, his second name. Which he was the physio, Dave Hancock, Dave Hancock, and he, he picked me up in, in like one of the biggest cars I've ever seen. And so you're kind of thinking, this is the physio, is it? And, and without trying to sound um, condescending, but it's like, well, if the physio's driving this, what's the number nine driving, or what's the <laughs> yeah. German driving? Yeah. Um, Whisk me off for this. Med- and, and Dave Hancock, subsequently, I think he set up Virgin Active rehab centers he then went to work for the new york knicks the last thing i read was he, he was u2's touring <laughs> physio he, get, he gets on so the bottom we, exactly and he obviously worked with muppets like me um so done this kind of three-day physio which by the end of it was oh, this is you, you this section of you, of you is fit your ankle's knackered you need surgery on it so then went back to southampton had surgery on it rehabbed it by that time, Leeds had dropped out of the championship. Um, Dennis Weiss <laughs> said something along the lines of, Wait, if you're not going to come now, you're never going to come and play for me. Rang him three months later, tail between my legs. Also, they they had their collective tails between the legs because it was when they were in administration, got docked 15 points, no players. Um, and there was a great kind of ragtag bunch of us that rocked up there and kind of cracked on and almost got back into the championship at the first uh, bite of the cherry because we got to the player final. As I said, as, as yeah. City beat Bristol City mm-hmm. with that wonderful volley, we were there in the same weekend, stinking the place up, unfortunately. And then, then back to square one the following year, still in League One. What was it like? Did you start the playoff final? Did you start in midfield? I did. I did. Yeah, no, yeah I did. It was... Um, it's funny because I've worked there since. I remember being at the whole City Chef Wednesday one. Yeah. And the, the thing is, so I'd kind of, I'd been obviously with the experience of being at Wednesday and knowing how long they've been outside of the Premier League. Hull City just sauntered up, scored, then sauntered back up the, the M1 and yeah. back up on the train. It's just like, yeah, that's how you do it. Bye, deal with pressure, deal with all that type of stuff. Rock up, rock out, job done. We went there. We had at least half the stadium, if not more. And we we just didn't turn up. Like I said, I work there now. When I look at the pitch, it just makes me feel tired because we 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 were half an hour into the game. You're thinking, Christ, we're getting battered here by Doncaster. Doncaster were a good team, by the way. That that incarnation of what Doncaster was, great passing team, um, kept the ball off us for fun. Had a good couple of chances early on. Ended up coming away, winning the game. Um, but the occasion, it's a it's a it's it's. I mean. This, I mean, this this isn't an opinion that will shock you at all. Playing at Wembley is absolutely amazing. It, 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 the whole yeah. thing. Was that your first time? Crowd. Obviously, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Final, but... I'd, I'd, that's the first time I played. I'm trying to think if yeah. I've been there to watch. Yeah, I, I, I went to the old Wembley uh, with the under twenty ones when Germany beat England. Remember, D, uh, Dietmar Hamann scored the, the yeah, free yeah. kick, which never went about that far off the ground. Skidded in. It was, it was chucking it down. And then I think Kevin Keegan resigned that night. And then Howard Wilkinson, who was our boss, left us to go and sort them out and we got taken by someone else. Um, but that was the first time I'd been back to to play in it. And the, what the one and only time I, I've played in it. And it was yeah, it, it was a stunning place to play football. It's not a great place to lose because you just end up sat on the pitch thinking, there's about 50,000 people staring at us thinking losers, <laughs> which is exactly what, what was the case, which was really unfortunate. Because, I mean, it would have made that season... 
memorable for a myriad of reasons. In the grand scheme of what Leeds United is, that team will not go down in history or of any note. But if we'd have climbed back into the championship with minus 15 points, it it had been the stuff of legend. But unfortunately, it wasn't to be. Yeah, <clears throat> must have been a great experience though. Just obviously playing on at Wembley and stuff like that, and that's right. Uh, the pitch, yeah. the pitch. You know, it it's it, it's quite obviously a set set of measurements that a football pitch is created within, but it just seems massive. And I, I think I played yeah. right midfield, which I was never quick. I was quite conscientious, but I was never quick. Um, and it, it just felt bigger. You like when they when you got to go and close the fullback down, you think. Christ, he's about 50 yards away. I'm not going to get anywhere near him. And then you go running out and he's gone past yeah. you, go running back. I remember when Hull City lost yeah. the FA Cup final there. And it was just yes. so, it was so like disheartening seeing the players on the pitch out on the feet. Obviously, it was under a 20 minute game. And uh, I remember seeing Jake Livermore like just like crying. And it was just, yeah, it's sad day. Which, but on the flip side, it, 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 it's good that you're sat watching people that inherently care about what the game is because there's a very lazy stereotype and it, I think hopefully it's kind of a bit passe now that footballers don't care and there is an element of footballers that you'll come across and you just think Jesus but they all, they've all got professional pride and if they've got yeah. a link to the club like I said that generation of City players that came through then they'll they'll live, breathe and, and, and die with every moment that you fans in the stadium will that's, yeah. that's an absolute given You've said um, about some of the more disappointing times trying to get promoted, but I believe you were promoted with Sheffield Wednesday, um, and was it 2012 from League One to the Championship? So, yeah, what was that experience like? I'm sorry, (laughs) sorry. It's it was great. We played Wickham on the final day of the season. During that year, we played Sheffield United in the Sheffield Derby. We'd beaten them, and that was a real turning point because they were battling Mm. for second with us. And then there was, there was a lot of other kind of exterior stuff going on with United at the time as well. And then we got to that final game against Wickham and it was just literally a case of beating them. And it was full. So as you come out of um, <clears throat> the tunnel at Hillsborough, you've got Leppin's Lane to your left, you've got the cop to your right, you've got a little portion in the top left-hand corner, which you'll probably know as away fans, is where if you're not behind the goal in Leppin's Lane, you are in the little triangle bit at the, at the top, which is where the Wickham fans were. And there must have been... Christ, I don't know how many... How many up. Hillsborough holds. It'll be late thirties, and it was full, uh, mm. and we just had to um, get through the game and win the game. I remember coming on. I think I came on very late in that game. Not saying for one second that helps us shepherd us towards ninety minutes and <laughs> subsequent promotion, but it was great. It was just a wonderful, wonderful thing to be a part of because having I got relegated with Southampton, which was obviously crap, and Swindon, which was. That again, um, so to be part of something as uh, as wonderful as a promotion was just great, and it, and I played a lot the first half of the season, not so much latterly, but you, but it's all it's all part of, isn't it? You you go up as a squad, you get relegated as a squad, you succeed as a squad, you fail as a squad, and that's exactly what we did. Really good bunch of lads, nice bunch of lads, big football club as well. I, I don't need to tell anyone that lives and works mm. and is from Yorkshire, just what it was. If you watch goals on Sunday. Back in the day, that sliding scale of Leeds, the two Sheffield clubs, Hull City, across the water, Lincoln, um, Scunny, Grimsby, uh, Chuck Doncaster in there as well. Um, it's always been a, a, a New York City. It's always been a hotbed of big football clubs, and Sheffield Wednesday very much fit that remit. It, it was a, it was a wonderful day. It was a 
it was a pretty heavy couple of nights afterwards as well, which was good. It was good fun. So you've mentioned a lot about your playing career now, but how just how did you become uh, a presenter? Because you're now the presenter for uh, the whole championship with Sky Sports. <laughs> I am. I'd done a bit of guesting uh, towards the end of when I was playing, when I was injured, mm-hmm. and that seemed to go down okay. Um, so when I'd finished playing, I was on loan at Coventry. I was meant to be signing there. That never materialised. And after that, you've got to pull your finger out when you've got dependents and <laughs> growing up stuff to look after. Um, so I had the chance to go and do a few games with Sky. Uh, and Sky Sports, um, part of it is akin to what a football club is like, where you get chucked in and it's sink or swim, with a lot of help, I, I must add. Um mm-hmm. So I've done guesting type stuff. I've done some commentary. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then done that for, a, 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 that seemed to work for a couple of years. Uh, that opens doors for other um, broadcasting opportunities. There's a company called Premier League Productions that beams content all over the world. Done a fair bit of work for them, uh, which means if you are in a bar in America or, I don't know, somewhere else that's quite remote and you can possibly hear me passing judgment on Chelsea and Liverpool and Man- <laughs> that doesn't sound too ridiculous um, and then by process of again coincidence and opportunity presenters moving on, different presenters stepping away, there was a, a, a small gap that opened up and I got asked if I wanted to do it, so I presume they saw something that could possibly work so I said yes and then yeah. Then after that, it, it's it's there's a lot of if you speak to footballers and managers, which I'm sure you two boys do a lot of the time. There's a lot of analogies and, and comparisons done with what it is to be a footballer. So you've got to be mm. reliable. You've got to be able to work as part of a team. Don't get too above yourself. Don't get too big for your boots. Realize that you're at the mercy of other people's actions. So make sure that your actions inherently are professional and, and reliable. I've hopefully taken that into what we do now because it's just great fun. Never for one minute does it feel like a job. Uh, and also, we like to talk about football to a degree in a serious manner. You can't really take yourself too too seriously when you do when you are talking about that. And give it due respect um, with regards to the teams and the players and the managers that you're talking about, which I've always really tried to do. I think I think that some obviously when player footballs retire, there's always mm. a couple options. Like some people, some uh, players going to coaching, some like some going to management. Um, was it always like always an option <clears> for you to go into sort of punditry? Did you ever management ever cross your mind or? Um, it, it it did in the sense of of how kind of cool it looks when it's going well, which sounds a little bit superficial. But on the flip side, when I when I was playing at Scunny and I know Alan Nil really well. He was our boss at the time and has gone on to do wonderful things with Chris Wilde and, of course, was at the World Cup with Wilde. But stood watching him get dogs abused from 1,500 people because he's watching over a team that are playing poorly. You're just kind of thinking, why? Yeah. What, what, what are you getting from that? And that probably strikes or, or paints me in a bit of a shallow picture, but it's... <clears throat> it's um. It can be a thankless task, a completely thankless task. I've, I've, I've loved football, I love everything about it. But when I've seen managers and I've got ex-teammates that have gone into coaching and seen what it's like, um, that possibly took that kind of shine off doing that type of thing. Plus, Tom, it, it was a timing thing to think you're going to finish playing football at 32 and go, right, I'll go into a, a, a coaching job with no 
coaching badges, anything at all, would be uh, laughable at best, wouldn't it? I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm sure we've all seen managers and coaches that you're probably saying, has he got a coaching badge? Because these lot are terrible. Um, but inherently, you have to have the qualifications. I didn't have that. I had an opportunity, which um, <coughs> which um, had managed to mine pretty quickly. Producers that I work with, one or two, there's a, a fellow called David Wade who went on to go and work for DAZN, and a fellow called Stevie Rowe who was who was really good, were really good with me. Whether that was to do with me being a, a decent enough presence around what they're doing, possibly whether there was a gap to be filled and I was just the next next okay thing to chuck in there, I don't know. Um, but I hope, but hopefully what they saw was something that was what they wanted. Well, it was because I'm, I'm still there and. Um, just approached it in the way, like, if, like I'm sure if you two lads were chucked into it, you'd, without sounding too twee or like a lottery winner, you'd go around going, "This is a this is a great job." Like, how much yeah. do you enjoy you two talking about football? When answer is, how much do you all enjoy talking about football? It's 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 not literally the same thing, but it's fundamentally the same thing: passing opinion, discussing opinion, giving what you think is your take on it, and listening to others and debating that, and then you react off a of football match. It's yeah, I'm, 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 it sounds like a like. Well, it is, it is simplistic. It's just yeah. dressed up sometimes in something a little bit intellectual, which I don't necessarily kind of agree with. I think what we do on here is like a small scale, like speaking about football to people. But obviously, you do it on like a big mm. scale. Like, what does it feel like? Obviously, obviously presenting obviously to millions of people. Like, is that pressure? Yeah, <laughs> or pressure. It's, it's the nerves what, or yeah. million millions on a on a very on a very rare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very rare. Yeah, one. Maybe for the player final, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Possibly. Possibly, Nathaniel. You're right. Um, there's there's nothing there's nothing nervous in it. Which and again, and again, it's not me trying to like be cool as like because I'm not I'm not remotely that at all. But I've had a lot of help. Uh, I've had a lot of feedback, good, bad, and indifferent. Which again. As a footballer, you got anyway. If you, bad pass, boo. Crap shot, boo. Yeah. Good pass, way. Maybe the odd goal, way. Brilliant. It's all. It's very instantaneous. So I always said to them very early on. I said, "Tell me exactly what you like and what you don't like, and I'll stop doing what you hate and I'll try and do more of what you like." I said the same thing with presenting. And then after that, it, it's more about timekeeping. It's more about listening because you get these. We get one of these in your ear, and you've got. A director, a producer. You've got a director's assistant who counts you to breaks. This is all. This is very boring, and I'm sorry for this. Um, you get a stats team. You get a VT team, which tells you about what you're going to be talking about. Tells you which replays you're looking at. Um, who else would you get? Anybody? Anyone else who's in a gallery who wants to chime in? So you could have half a dozen voices talking at the same time. So you've got to be able to try and handle that whilst listening to who you're talking to and making it sound like you're actually listening to what they're saying before you kind of jump in or stop them or, sorry, we've got to get to a break, we've got to get to this. So it's learning those that set you in good stead for what I particularly do. But I also think, again, without dialing it down, because I do understand it, it's a, it, the, the platform that it is and, and how big it is, I totally get it. It's, it's wonderful that there's a, there are a lot of eyes on you. But in the end, you just end up talking. So I'm talking to this thing here, which I put my finger on. The, the the cam it's the same thing you might have three or four of those in a studio you might have two or three at a stadium but if you can kind of think well i'm just talking to that really it it stops you thinking 
there might be somebody or lots of people watching because it's hard to put. Does that understand without me sounding like I'm trying to dial it down completely? Like to put the yeah, two yeah, together, yeah, it's, yeah. it's different if you were in. So, so Nathaniel, you're, you're in university at the moment, and I don't know whether part of what you do involves public speaking or whether you've done the same thing. Okay. Where sometimes an auditorium where you can see everybody. That's a different. There might only be hundred hundred people there, but you, you it's, think yeah, right, it's worse. I can see everyone, <laughs> and everyone's looking back at you now. Whereas if you if you're doing it to a little camera, it's a different thing. It, it, it's almost like talking to one person. I don't and, think it crosses your mind, does it, that that you're speaking doesn't... to thousands of people? Whereas when I was presenting at university, I'd be getting real nervous and shaking and stuff, just speaking to fifty people in a room, which but is a lot. Yeah, it's quite daunting, it's especially. Yeah, of course yeah. it is because you, because you can see every single emotion. You can see. The one at the back who's scratching the backside because the book, or the one at the front yeah, who's like, exactly, yeah. you're making a bit too much eye contact at the front. Can you calm? That's really off-putting. Can and also, when I was, I was speaking about like topics I didn't particularly like as well. So, like, mm-hmm. obviously, with uni, you do a wide, wide range of uh, topics. Yeah, yeah. And if I was speaking about football, maybe I wouldn't have the nerves, but because I was speaking about, <laughs> I don't know, I, I can't really think on the top of it, like linguistics. <laughs> I was doing English language. Like, it's something different, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's harder. And- and it's so, and it, and again, and maybe that's a, a self-taught thing. I, I don't know whether anyone actually said to me, "Just think of it as that." But you can, that kind of is what it's become. And then after that, it's about because, like I said, if you're in a studio and you've got three or four different people holding cameras, you you make sure that you're on good terms with them because if if you're in front of camera and you've made a lot of enemies off the back of it, then. I'm not saying for one second anyone to try and like you up, but you know what I mean. People are more on your side than they are not if you're yeah. not going to act like a whopper mm-hmm. to them. I think I think that's hopefully the, the the only difference is, and this might be part of a chat later on, um, is when you are at ground. There's a different thing because obviously there's that interaction. So again, like I said, you get an earpiece, but when you're at, at a stadium, we get these thicker earpieces, which basically drowns out everything else other than what you want to hear. So you can hear the program coming through your ears. And obviously the people that you're talking to. So whether you're at, we're at Wickham on Sunday, for example, which greatest respect to, Rick, to Wickham might not be the loudest game by virtue of the fact that it's not the biggest ground, is it? But you get towards kickoff at like a, so we did Sheffield United Burnley, as it's getting towards kickoff at lunchtime. It, that PA is is ridiculous. So by the end yeah. of it, you, you like you shouting your head off and you carry away, and then, and then you've got a producer going. Right, it's kickoff past the commentary team. You're going, what? But obviously, but you can't say what because you can't your mic's on. So you've got to make sure that you're kind of in a vague idea of where you're going. So that sense of of, of dealing with the noise and and the kind of that anticipation of where you need to go. That that's that's something that you learn very much on the job, very much on the job. And 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 it's it's that feedback because so if, if so far, I'm not saying for any second that I w- I would be a Sheffield Wednesday midfielder of of great note. But if I'm at Sheffield United, there'll be some people that may have watched me play for Wednesday against United. So you get somebody still be on the dugout, just like going like that, or going, like, you know, and you're going, yeah. ah. And we had it at um, <laughs> the um, playoff final. So apologies if I'm swear, if I've just sworn on that. Oh, you it's can swear. Are you sure? Right, I'll, yeah, this is going to get really anything. blue in a minute. <laughs> but there, there was, um, there, we, uh, I've been at Forest. So we'd done the semi-final there, and um, I, I, it was great because they were on the pitch. To a certain extent, they're on the pitch. Obviously, there was some shocking things, which Christ Almighty were ridiculous. <laughs> um, and I was sat with Michael Dawson. Michael Dawson, firm fans' favourite. I'm a bit more removed, and because I've passed judgment off Forest, there's a 
pick, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, you bloody said that. All right, it's fine. <laughs> and we and we done we done the post match at the player final. Forrest back in the Premier League after over two decades. Joyous mm. occasion. Um, I think Joby McEnough was with us, Michael Heffler, Stuart Pierce, like Stuart I'm like, Stuart Pierce, Stuart Pierce, Stuart Pierce there. And he's I'm really you and it, it, I never tire of that type of thing. When you get a proper legend walking on, like this is I'm sat and stuff with him. And it, people are singing to him. And um in the post-match, when when they're all kind of filtering out, it went a bit quiet. And I was asking, we'd know we'd come back in and I was talking over a pitch or something. And I don't think it got picked up on the mic, but there's a geezer that's about 15 yards away. He went, bro. And I went, and he went, no bad. <laughs> I was like, yeah. still trying to talk. Like, and this is a wonderful day for Forrest and James, mate. Thanks for that. And and just, so when you get a bit more of that at ground, which, which I absolutely don't mind. It's, I think it's funny. It's very it is. partridge, isn't it? Somebody get, walking obviously, past showing. Obviously, when they're on commentary, you always get uh, apologies if you're any language here. Yeah. You do. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing that, that throws me a bit, because we had, um, I like that as well, for about there. Um, that, that sense of, um, that's because, do you remember, so we went through the whole of lockdown when we watched it with, with, um, kind of fake sound and it was terrible on it but it was kind of part of par for the course and that that sense of apologizing i understand it if you're watching a football match at one o'clock in an afternoon with your with your son or your daughter and you suddenly hear that it's like mm, yeah it's a bit dodgy but the, like you when it happens on a night game or if you've ever been to a football match yeah. as we all have been i mean <laughs> it's an absolute bedrock the, <laughs> the game yeah. isn't it people screaming that type of stuff and you're kind of going you can't. I don't know. Do, 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 do you feel that? Do you feel it's a necessity for us as, as a as a broadcaster to say sorry about that? Is are you offended if you hear swearing? At I feel like sometimes I'm I'm more offended when they do apologise. Yeah, um, that's what I think. But, yeah. Stop apologising. But I always it's just think it's funny. It's a nice thing. Maybe I'd complain if they stopped apologising. It's just just one of the things. Yeah. Except watching yeah. football. I, I think. No, I think you're right, Nathan. I mean, if you took, I mean, and this is not trying to give you any inner secrets of what uh, my household is run or how we talk to each other, but there's not many things they haven't heard. <laughs> so if you take an 11 or 13 year old to football, they go, <gasps> like, come on. Yeah. We've all yeah. heard that, but just do not sing that song ever again anywhere that's not here because you will mm. get told off and I'll probably get a proper. Yeah. Quite right. <laughs> so, speaking of criticism, that's perhaps one of the reasons why you didn't want to be a manager. Ant wants to know uh, <laughs> why, why does so many Hull City fans that um, the word he used was detest you, and this is your chance to to, to clear your name, as Ant says. Um, it's it, it's akin to the what I mentioned about the forest thing. So, there, there was um, Ian Holloway. Was when he was a pundit with us, who was wonderful company, Ollie, and then he decided to go back into the madhouse and be a manager again. He used to have to predict games, and he had to mm. predict. They asked him, and they've never done it since because he wasn't too happy about it. So before this ball that even kicked, they asked him to predict the final championship table, and by virtue of predicting that, there's three teams that get relegated. There's three, mm. there's three that'll go up. So, so but, difficult not, as well. It's not like is, the Premier not, League. No, and he's not he's not Nostradamus, you know what I mean? He's not a magician. He doesn't know what's going to happen. So he's going, well, this is what I think. And some took umbrage to it and some didn't. Um, he left and they said, do you want to talk about predicting these games? So I was like, yeah, fine. Um, uh, and so 
on a weekly or game by game basis, these lot might win. I've looked at the form guide. This could happen. And by virtue of watching the championship, it more often than not bites you on the ass when it comes to actually kind of predicting stuff. Um, <clears throat> so there was an element of there was bizarrely there was a Coventry City fan I bumped into as well. Like, why do you hate us? And I was like, you reading way too much into this. There's, like, hate requires a proper deep well of emotion and feeling. Yeah. There's none of that there. Um, the same with, with uh, about predicting Forest games. The same about Hull City games. Um, there was nothing in other than looking at what I thought was particularly um, the way the season was sat, that you'd predict a certain result. Um, and it's, it's akin to, I don't know, saying somebody's kid's ugly or slapping a you know I mean, kid across the head or, oh, that baby's, you know what I mean? That's a dodgy looking baby. It offends because it's yours. It's your baby. Hull City is your baby. And I, I totally get that. I, I also think that <clears throat> any games that we've done, and it's a bit different now because of obviously being the person that's not necessarily passing judgment, but is talking about the game and asking questions about the game. Um, unless I'm misremembering again, I apologize for misremembering a lot of things. Uh, it's a great get out clause, especially when you're in court. Mm. Um, that the, um, the, there was nothing, there was nothing unduly negative in the, in the way that I said, it's funny. I, when, when I, and got in touch with me on Twitter to come on here. And then there was a couple of people that had chimed in with regards to my, um, and this goes back to the ownership. It goes back to the people that have run or did run Hull City for the best part of well, over 10 years, wasn't it? And then with Achunko coming in, um, there was there was a game that we did and I'd come out of the ground. So it was City against Sheffield United and I'd come out of the ground. And there's, there's a, a geezer, and I don't know whether it's his missus, but they're always there when I do City games. Lovely people, always have a quick chat. And um, and he went, oh, Dave, you're right, yeah, I'm good, yeah. And uh, chatted about the game. Oh, I can't remember what the score was. And then he said, oh, oh, "Remember though, it's it's City, not tie, not Tigers." I'm like, "What?" And he went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, quality." And, yeah, but like it's whole City, not whole Tigers. And I, you know, I kind of walked away thinking, "Did I? Is he odd, <laughs> or did I mishear what he just said then?" And then there's a, there's a journal that I know, Baz, who, who works in the area, Baz Cooper, who's, who's really good. Yeah, Baz Cooper, really yeah. Good We've had yeah, him on the podcast yeah. twice, I think. He's, he's very good. He's very good. I've got a lot of time for Baz. Um, and he said, oh, you've 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 pissed a lot of people off. And I was like, what? I said, what, what do you mean? Well, you know they're not called Hull Tigers. I said, mm. yes, by virtue of knowing Hull City. I, I know they're not called Hull Tigers. I know that when the Alams had mooted that, it was... I mean, it was absolutely blown to pieces, wasn't it? Um, and so then, and then it kind of, and I think that Saturday night, I'd had a couple of glasses. Of, so, right, Baz, let's have a chat on Monday and I'll tell you exactly what I think. And blah, blah, blah. then obviously it dies down because then you realize that life's too short and you sound pathetic by trying to fight a corner that's very small. Um, and then it, it'd come up in this chat because what I'd said was, and again, I, I think I've said it on somewhere else, and I apologize if I'm boring anyone. That spiel that you do, so you we all know what football looks like on TV. Um, opener comes on, blah blah blah. They've done great, they've been crap. He scores goals, he doesn't score goals. Here's a team, here's a team. You come into envision of someone holding a microphone, going, welcome to Hull City. <laughs> and I, I, I said something along the lines of welcome to Hull, Tigers versus Blades. So basically, if you if I was writing it down, it would be welcome to Hull, comma. Tigers versus Blades. Yeah. The, the Tigers. Whatever was off the, the back. Blades, of yeah. Exactly. So whatever mm. was off the back of that. Um, 
and maybe maybe it's more to do with my projection as a presenter. I, I mangled whatever I said, which made it sound mm. like one long word. Um, but again, when when Ant had given me a shout, and there was a couple on Twitter saying, "Well, what did you mean? Did you mean?" Well, no, I didn't mean that at all. It, it, and I was trying to work out what would be a suitable analogy to try and to try and get the point across of of the the, the very small battle that I was fighting. It would be it, it would be akin to me saying. Welcome to Hull Tigers versus Sheffield Blades. My name's Gary Lineker. We're at the Betfred 4610 Stadium on the mm. East Bank. The census that was. Yeah, I think we've lost David again. But that was a very good analogy. I understood what he meant there because he's certainly not Gary Lineker. Um, otherwise, we'd be very distantly related because I'm extremely distantly related to Gary Lineker, sort of. Um, that's a factor I'm just going to throw in now. Um, again, if anyone is listening, um, please do send in your uh, questions for yeah. David when he's back. I don't know if he's going to be back anytime soon. But uh, what did you think of all of that? And uh, have you forgiven him for his mistake? Oh, he's back. He's back now. He's back. It'd be great if I'd have gone off and you just absolutely sandbagged me when I'd gone off. So <laughs> good. I'm glad he's gone. He's, he's X, Y, and Z. So oh, it, we it's, wouldn't I mean, dare. It is. I'm in. I'm in the area of protesting too much now, aren't I? And then thinking mm, about it too yes. much. But, but and that, that's the thing because it's um, what you need to realise as well. Like I said, when you when we're doing what we do, because of the perception in certain quarters of what Sky Sports is, you have to absolutely make sure that you are doing each and every club when you're there the proper service. You know what I mean? Mm. If, if you know what I mean, if Bristol City hate being called Bristol, don't they? I mean, don't call yeah. them Bristol. It's either City or yeah, Bristol City. That's why I call them Bristol. Exactly. The amount of times I've been sat on with people that go, and Notts Forest, and you're going, come on. You know it's not Notts Forest. You know it's not Notts Forest. I like doing so, that one as well. Yeah. <laughs> Nathaniel, I think you've got I think, passive, I think the worst one is... down to an absolute team, mate, haven't you? Mm. <laughs> I, think, I think the worst one by far is when people call Sheffield United Sheffield. You know, like, yeah, you know what I mean? like, because there's two Sheffield of them. Clubs, isn't there? Yeah. No which one would ever say is... Manchester. Yeah, no, that's, it wouldn't because yeah. it sounds crazy. Uh, and, and like I said, it, it would there'd be nothing. Yeah, there's no, there's no. Whenever I've seen City do well, it's been great. Um, when I've when you look at the travails both on and off the pitch that they've had to kind of work through, um, I think it goes back to what you said, Tom. Given the fact of geographically where it is, it's yeah. good at fighting its own corner, isn't it? It's really good at fighting its own corner because it, that's that's what it that's what they are. They're, it's a corner which is ours <laughs> geographically, logistically, and in a footballing sense. And we will take on all comers. And if for one second you think that they like being called Hull Tigers, we will come out swinging at you, which is absolutely mm-hmm. fair enough. I totally get it. That's exactly what happened when, obviously, I love tried to change our name, but there we go. That's, I mean, a, I mean thing, that and, and, and the membership scheme as well, which um, the, 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 that, the family, Asim in particular, I mean, he's done some wonderful things for... yeah. That 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 particular part of the of, of the country. So I mean, staggeringly philanthropic kind of investment into which the obviously well, all university it, and, and yeah, the, the NHS medical trust. Yeah. It, it's staggering, and it's probably that money's probably saved lives. That money's changed people's lives. That money's yeah, yeah. helped people beyond all recognition. Um, so you're kind of looking at it going, 
because I think I think there was a bit of a consensus of people looking at Hull City at that time, and you two might be able to give me a bit more insight than this. Was it was that typical foreign owners, and you're going well? Mm. I mean, by 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 virtue of geography, yes, but this is a man that studied at university here decades ago, made a home here decades ago, and was part of of the fibre of that. Whether his son goes on to kind of unendear himself to people by virtue of saying, right, it's going to be this. And if you don't like it, do one. It's good. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to crack on with this. It's going to be the name change. It's going to be a different ticketing system, which just totally kind of alienated people from what I saw and read and, and, and heard. Um, it, that's a different debate entirely, but it, it did at the start. It feels like a, there was a lot of good things that happened under, particularly the old man. I thought, I think if the membership scheme, um, it was a great idea because no other club did it, but the way mm. it was executed was wrong because they yeah. took out concessions. So uh, obviously, young fans and the LD were priced out. So Which like a child, as, a child as young as six was playing, paying the same amount of money as an adult. So it's obviously, that, we lost a generation of fans. Mm. But mm. we knew the membership scheme was a good idea uh, because Adjuncts kept it now in place. Yeah. So we still pay. Our, obviously, I've got a membership for whole city, so I still pay monthly. Obviously, so does other people that are going. But they're also bringing an option where you can pay like in a lump sum, so you've got the best okay. of both worlds. So. I, I mean, it shows Adjun, that it was a good it, idea, it was just not executed right by the Adams. Yeah, um, which you know. we, I mean, I mean, there's many things in history that have, have been good ideas, but been yeah. executed completely um, wrongly. It, it, for, for my the girls are shrieking. It's first of December, and every Christmas, all the Christmas trees are up in our street. Everyone's got bonkers. Um, but with. Action and, and and how he's gone about. I mean, the, the fact it's little things, isn't it? He seems like a very charismatic fella. I, I've read there's a there's a there's a bunch of city fans there that have been over in Antalya that have been flown there and sorted out, and he's looked after yeah. them. And it just I, sounds... I entered that, but didn't get the uh, didn't get the call. Oh, was it on a <laughs> kind of ballot type raffle type thing? Yeah, uh, they're, they're saying it's a random draw. Yeah. So was people it? picked at random. Where obviously some city fans and Twitter are arguing that. It was some people were selected, you know, like <laughs> you do, but you know, it's 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 one of them. Obviously, Fringe fans have had the opportunity to go out there. I'm happy for them to do so. I'm I'm not jealous or anything, you know. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's nice. Nah, it's, it's a great opportunity. Like, it's the fact that not many earners in world football would, oh, would do that no. for the fans. So I think no, not it's a unique, unique way to, you know, obviously but show it, that you it, care it, about the football club and show exactly. you care about the supporters. We can all get cynical and say it's good PR, but I'm sure he doesn't. He's not bothered. He, he runs it in the way that he wants. It's funny because I'd I texted Liam about three hours ago just to have a quick catch up, and he said he said definitely ring me. I, I should have shown you the text back, but he's he's gone now because it's a WhatsApp. I think he does those disappearing WhatsApps, the dodgy <laughs> stuff. But um, he, he said um, he said hi mate, I'm in Turkey. Give us a call at seven. So I said okay, then rung him at seven. Uh, Mate, so sorry, I got pulled into a meeting. Let me know if you need anything. So I'm obviously going to text back and say, no, mate, I'm done. It'd be great if that showed his number as well, because then you could all text him. <laughs> it doesn't. It just says, Liam Racine, you know, which is rubbish. Um, we'll have to get him on the podcast but, for us. <laughs> is that, is, uh, what's, what's your thoughts? Happy, happy that he's, he's, he's back in a management capacity? Yeah, I was yeah, happy. I'm going to be happy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he just hasn't got much experience as a manager. But, I mean, the way he comes across in interviews is so great. Yeah. Uh, and you know he's got a month to to you know Im- implement his philosophy, which will hopefully be very beneficial to us. But hopefully the fans will give him a lot more time because mm. his uh, of his status as a player as well. 
I think he wants to play football the right way. Yeah, I think the thing is with Rossinho compared to Shaw, he wants to play football the right way. Um, yeah. So we've had a bit. Mm. You've seen in our opening three games that we've had problems playing the ball out from the back because we don't necessarily mm. have the the right defenders to do so. But I had yeah. an eye that he's sticking with that style, and he's and he's come out on in an interview and said that look, if my players make mistakes, that's on me because I'm telling them to play this way. And I think mm. you have to sort of instill that philosophy into a club for quite a while for it to sort of. Mm. You saw it with Pep Guardiola at Man City. It took them a while to sort of get used to that. So I think we were seeing it. So just about giving him time. So I think Adrian himself knows that that's the nature of the business now that he has to give this manager time because yeah. he, he was the one. It, it took him a while to choose Rossini. I think it was it like, did take a while, didn't probably, it? like probably like six weeks to a month for us to get a new manager. Mm. Obviously, Dawson was an interim manager, but I'm glad he stayed at the club. So I think it's just about biding our time and you know hopefully he's the man Wait. to sort of get us back up the table. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what Russell Martin's done at Swansea, they do exactly the same thing, and he's been there a while now. And I remember watching the first few games. We've done them against Sheffield United, which would have been start of last season. And it was, I mean, I was, I'm, I have no connection whatsoever to Swansea, but even I was kind of going, oh my God, are you passing it there? No, don't give it him there. And they were taking the ball. And if there was a mistake, Russell and his number two, no, no, well done, lads, keep going, keep going. Liam will be the same as that. Liam will be the one that will say that it's it's his responsibility as you were saying Tom that if things go wrong if mistakes are made if a misplaced pass is 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 given out on the edge of the 18 yard box then he's asked them to do it he's asked them he wants them to be brave on the board doesn't he give 100 yeah. percent um all, all all footballing fundamentals that will last to the end of time um i'll be intrigued and again maybe you two can sound me a a, a, a kind of relevant note on this is the whole city fan base happy and patient enough to see this type of stuff? Are they gonna? There's not because I can tell you from a playing point of view, booze are tough to take. A collective sigh of disappointment can absolutely cut you in half. You know that you know when you get that the, the groan of 15,000 15, people all at the same time. They've got to be brave to do that, and I think the fans have got to be brave to get on board with it. I think what we've seen already is I'm in a whole city fan tour. Um, and you've seen already a lot. We can't play out from the back. Oh, what's his style from a senior? Oh, look, it's, it's giving me. I mean, Nathaniel part of the tweet uh, in the in the Cardiff game about oh, I can't. I'm too nervous watching. It was this. like watching a horror film. Right, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, just hiding behind the sofa. I think it's just yeah, but I think everyone likes football played the right way, like yeah, played yeah. out from the back, and you can't implement a style if you just. You, you go one or two games, you lose two, and then you like go back to just open up the field. I think it's just about that finding on time. And I think if, once we get the right players in, I think Rossini can work wonders with the squad because we've already got some what, quality players. But just there, yeah. yeah. But what, what what's the? Because I was I was reading about it was more general, wasn't he? About what he was after in January, not necessarily who he was after. What what do you look at in that team and think? I mean, the, the 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 best thing for any team in January would be to go get us another defender, get us another midfielder or, or a winger and a centre forward. Inherently, that doesn't necessarily happen, does it? And it? It's also reflective of how much is there to be able to spend. And he's got to get players out. I think he's taken something like 30 players over there, which is a massive, massive squad quite, of players yeah, to take. Quite a few uh, which is youth players. Staggering, but, really. Yeah. Yeah. We've got so a, then, lot of, a lot of players there. Yeah. So who, who, who are they after then? Who, who Where does he need to go in January then? Yeah, four defenders, I'd yeah. say. Four defenders. Four. Or at least 
Well, uh, our defence has been so bad. Cyrus Christie stays at right back. Jacob Green, yes. But I think another centre back at the very minimum. We very very much need a centre back. Right sided centre back. That's we we have to get one. Figueredo has been um, you know dodgy at best. He was touching up Forest though, wasn't he? Same same player. It was one of those where I'm intrigued when you get a player such as that, and again not casting aspersions on him, where you kind of go. It comes into your team, and you kind of think, "Well, is it one where you where you just kind of go, well, it's another body, great. It's it's not the, the same with Seri. When I saw Seri in fits and starts at Fulham, there's a good player in there, but I, I, would it be fair to say that he's not? Is did 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 a whole City fan expect him to come in and carry the team and say that this is the way I'm going to play? I'm going to lead you forward because I've not seen it as yet." I think we've got a player like Seri, you've got to build a team around him. And currently, yeah. we don't have the squad of players that Seri can flourish with because yeah. we don't necessarily have the quality in our, our areas of the field. I think we definitely need a, an anchor man in midfield so that can release Seri and sort of give him that freedom. Because mm. um, that's when I think he plays at his best. If he plays in a, a midfield two way, he has to play deep and protects the back line. He's not as good. But if you no, have someone no. in there that's strong, physical, we don't have a physically strong midfielder really that can just sort of command command it, a yeah. sort of captain like player. I think Jacob Grease is, is the all the credentials to be our future captain. Um, yeah. But I think we, we just we definitely need a holder midfielder and a centre back. They're the two Absolutely. areas. Given Greaves and, and his and his kind of the day job element of way he plays, could you see him as that holding midfielder? Well, he's quick enough. He's good enough yeah. on the ball, but I think he's, you know, uh, we've seen him at left back and he's done very well yeah. there. But I think centre back. Right, he's... Go from centre back. Yeah. To, well, centre back. yeah, yeah. But it's just possible. I mean, because fundamentally, if he's good on the ball, and when I say good on the ball, it doesn't have to be John Terry or Rio Ferdinand. If he can take a ball and be responsible with a the football, <laughs> then his ability to get over the over the grass, like Nathaniel's saying, with that turn of pace. It only takes a, a manager to see him in a slightly different way and bed him in in a different way. And then, as you were saying, Tom, it, it's who you put around him. It's not necessarily just what he does on his own. Yeah. It's how he operates with perhaps him holding with two in front. If you've got to say they can go and get released and go and express himself. I mean, again, Ryan Woods is another good player that's that's tidy enough on the ball. I mean, d- does he, given his experience, given his his footballing background, does does he do enough for you guys in that position? Given the talents that he's got, he's um he's had some good matches. I think Rotherham. Uh, mm. I think obviously every player on that pitch played well on that day. But he, him, him and Seri struck up a good partnership. Um, before Rossini came in, yeah. Um, I think Andy Dawson obviously like Woods. He, obviously, he's tidy on the ball. He recycles it well. But I think them, him and Seri are quite similar. I think yeah. if you play him as a midfield two, you can get overpowered. So I think it's. Yeah, that, what answer is there? I think it, it's right that we've with Smallwood gone, we've not mm. all, although he's not the best sort of ability wise, we've not replaced this sort of presence in midfield. Yeah, so, yeah. that sort of player definitely. It, it's a, I mean, like who's the last one that was there that was that type of player? Then for you, you surely you're not going all the way back to Jake, are you? There's because I mean mm. that's a hefty jump, isn't it, with regards to someone that was, like, uh, well, that was in that we, position. Uh, We've had sort of uh, trying to fit. We had like obviously Marcus Henriksen who did that job yeah. quite well. Kevin Stewart, he wasn't that great. Airvan was more, yeah, more attacking, more box to box. Someone that won the ball back in, but yeah, apart from obviously Smallwood's been was with us from the League One season. 
Yeah, yeah. And then obviously we saw them in the summer, but um, before that it was yeah, like Henriksen, sort of Stuart Evan. Not yeah. really had that sort of player really for a while. No, it, it's intriguing given potentially as well what City have done coming out of the champ, getting back into the champ, and how because I know that the owners said about playing a certain style, but he needed to have. You need that player in there, whether it's by virtue of the personality of the player or the physical aspects of the player. I think given what Hull City needs to do in these seasons back in the champ, i.e. consolidate, then look to move forward, that type of player seems to me to be absolutely imperative. And I'm, I'm surprised there's not been more of a focus on that. Maybe if bloody Rossini had answered his, his phone, I could have asked him this, but he's, uh, mm. he's probably keeping his cards very close to his chest. But... Um, You'd, you'd like to think that somebody like that would be ideal to be at the base of that midfield to, to shore them up, basically. Because yeah, we see, like, obviously, in the modern game, a lot of teams do play 4-3-3 um, mm. or 4-2-3-1. There's also a lot of teams that play three at the back as well, and that's an effective yeah. formation in the Championship, as, as we've seen. Like, Forrest have done well with it, obviously went up. Um, yes. And a lot, I think a lot of the top teams in the Championship, they do play out from the back as well. So I think that's the, the philosophy that we're trying to instill, what we're seeing is trying mm. to instill. And I think it's one that, yeah, like I said like I said before, if we get the right players, it's one that can take us forward. Just about Definitely. having the right sort of personnel. Yeah. Chemistry, like this, it's all chemistry. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think that's one of the main things that we've struggled with, with so many new players. But well, um, was, it, one... was, it, was it 16 in the summer? I mean... Oh, it was good, around good there. Good luck yeah. 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 And then about five of them were, came injured as well. So we, we didn't even... Brilliant. So, so we've uh, been injured since. We've got well, Salah. Well, well, that... Go on. We signed Salah from Arsenal. Just... Salah, yeah. who had me hand. Um, we signed Adama Traore, who was injured. <laughs> Try to think who else has been that many. Who else to be signed that was injured as well? Well, Cynic came yeah. injured immediately. Yeah, Cynic was injured, yeah. Uh, Tete got injured pretty quickly. Is mm. is there because Ali the owner? Well, there's the owner and 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 um, there's there's a, a, a double handed way of looking at this, isn't there? And Liam's kind of said as well he's got a big say in it. But I think any manager now that goes into a football club, regardless of whether they've got recent history or past history, like Liam's got with City, and um, they've got to work in in a structure, haven't they? And if if the owner wants to bring in what he believes to be tried and trusted from a different league, a different country, then, like I said, not knowing, and this is me second-guessing possibly the position that Liam finds himself in, that it would be rare that a manager of a club in the Championship had complete autonomy over who came in and out. I would I would be very surprised mm -hmm. because the clubs don't just don't work like that anymore, do they? They say, well, look, he's the man who owns it. He's the man who's going to give you the money. This is a committee that decides who's coming in or offers you players. Yeah. Um, and I think that would be the case as well. So I'd be intrigued. I'd be really intrigued. I hope he, I hope he gets as much of a swing at it as he, as he deserves, Liam, because you can't bring a manager in and say, well, we want you to do this, but then we're just going to give you this type of player because then he's probably sort of thinking, well, my hands are already tired now because I need mm -hmm. to do this and I want to play like this, but you give me these types of yeah. players. I'd be intrigued to see how that works out. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about is your podcast with Neil Warnock, who's become somewhat of a, a meme um, now, uh, especially his videos <laughs> at managing Sheffield United. And um, the podcast is named after one of those videos, Die for Three Correct. Points. So, so what's Correct. that like working with one of the biggest characters in the game? 
It's good. He's 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 great fun. I've done a few games with him as as kind of um, presenter and pundit and all that type of stuff, and he's been wonderful company. Um, he's, he's he's very sharp. He's very funny. Um, I played against his teams as well, which were always a, an experience. Um, and the man that we've or I've come to know and chat to, I know divides opinion. I absolutely get it. I, I do get that. I understand why. But that that kind of transformation that goes on on a touchline uh, is slightly different in person. Obviously, there's a softer side to him. I think it's it was over 40 years as a manager. Whether he still wants to go back in, I don't know. I mean, don't ask me. He could walk it's, into a job it's tomorrow. It's today, I think. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. 74. Yeah, songs, but, yeah. Um, yeah. And he's... Um, He's got great stories. I mean, I've I've spoken to players that have ex teammates of mine that have played for him and just had an absolute ball. Just love playing, and he sounds like the type of manager that I would have, would have really loved to play for. Um, but in these bits that we're talking about, we we try and we have a little chat about football. We've done a bit about the World Cup. We'll we'll bring guests in. We've had um, we had Simon Jordan on, who was his chairman at um, Crystal Palace, which was a fascinating chat. Well, I say fascinating chat. I basically sat and watched these two talk to each other or at each other, and then. Yeah. So thanks but for Sam listening. Sam Jordan's very opinionated, isn't he? So I think I imagine he is. Quite a he is, and he. And the thing is, he gets it. I mean, if if you're on a show on Talk Sport for three hours, you can't just agree with each other and go, "Yeah, yeah, you're right." I, oh, I don't really think of anything about that. They know exactly what they're doing. Jim it's great well, an opinion. It? That's why he's on there. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And Jim yeah. White, I think, is a is an unbelievable broadcaster and another very very lovely fella. Um, but. So and, and and we've got other guests lined up, and it's just been really good fun. I got approached to do it via an, uh, a mutual acquaintance of ours, which, when you are part freelance in this broadcasting world, you listen to it. You go, yeah, that sounds good to me. Let's crack yeah. on. Um, and it's been great fun so far. He seems I to enjoy I it. A, I had a quick look. Uh, I saw your Jackmate on there while I watched his Happy Hour podcast. What was what, what was he like on what, there? He, he was great because yeah. I'd listened to a fair few of his because. There's 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 different strands of podcasts in there, of course. There's, there's ones that have got to have an overall meaning, and they've got to knit it together, and it's got to be this, and it's got to be quite yeah. earnest. And and then you, Jack makes. Can you tell me what it's about? No, no, you can't. Like, it's it's nonsense. Such varied guests on there, like yeah. bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I looked at. And you do your due diligence without trying to sound like a really old man going, so what's this podcasting and, and uh, influencer thing like? And it was, you look at like the collective engagement and it's in the hundreds of millions and you think this is crazy. Um, and it's it, it's there, it's in the title, isn't it? Happy Hour. It's there to just while away an hour's worth of chat. And we had him on and it was great to watch Neil just kind of, and I think even by the end of it, Neil was like, Can you just write, remind us again, like, what do you do? <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. So we just we hopefully, as it progresses, fingers crossed, that we can bring I don't know different people together that perhaps Neil might not ever come across in another walk of life. So, so no, it's good fun. It's good fun, and and it's um, it yeah, he's he's. I think we've all seen him on a touchline. We've all seen him. Yeah. Um, it, it, I'll tell you what what he's got as well, which is it's, it's actually quite impressive. Is a is an absolute photographic memory of both instance and name of referees that have wronged him. This back then and he did that. And I'm going, that's amazing how you remembered that. <laughs> yeah. 
but that's I just, presume that's just... he doesn't like the referees at that uh, Cardiff Chelsea game. I oh, think I that was like that. perhaps the most iconic of him with the with the with the pose and everything. That was a uh, I was watching that and it was uh, staggering. staggering. Mm. And then 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 that debate comes in about well if we'd have had VAR back then, which obviously is completely moot and totally hypothetical. Well, Cardiff um, could have been relegated long before potentially. <laughs> yeah, I love that, Nathan. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Instead of it going all the way, then. I think, um, yeah, and it, it's yeah. The, the the fellow that I've spoken to, there's 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 a softer side to him. I don't I'm, I'm not his PR manager by any stretch of imagination, and I'm sure that his um, professional future doesn't live and die on a podcast that involved me. But mm. I think he he seems to enjoy it. He's not told me to bugger off yet, so we crack on. Yeah, it's, it's quite quite. I, I, I didn't imagine like Neil Warnock knew what a pod, podcast was until he did one. To be honest, it, it seems like sort of blurred, didn't like. <laughs> I, I think, I, I think, yeah, I think he, he would have definitely, he's, he's definitely been sold on it. I think it's good yeah. that he's, um, he's there. And we it, like, like it all, um, we're trying to work out logistics. We've done several together when we've been in London at the same time. And I think for for that type of thing, that it helps to build rapport, absolutely. But we've done, that. we sent a team down there to set him up and he's, he lives in Cornwall. I mean, he's, he's, he's literally miles away. Yeah. Um, with the type of Wi-Fi or internet connection that was last seen in the late nineties, I think. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, been, there's been a couple of instances like, so we're doing this and he'd be like, it's just funny. And obviously, and you're there trying to not explain it to him in a way that that's going to really get on his nerves. Like, I know what I'm doing. I can do yeah, it. Like condescending so... sort of, like if you sort of explain it, like he's an old man. Exactly. Like that, would he? No. Oh no, 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 not at all. Not at all. But like I said, Everything I've heard from players that have played for him has has just been a complete joy. Never a dull moment. He, that's and that's what he's really loved over the course of four decades worth is the interaction with the players. Whether it's former players like Kevin Blackwell and Ronnie Jepson that are very much on his staff whenever he goes into a football club. He talks. He did a live tour, which I had the pleasure of watching. And I was going to work on a couple of them, but I had a, had a conf, I had other work come up, which I which I had to take uh, precedent. Um, and it, and it was um, he was talking about Emiliano Sala and obviously the horrific kind of circumstances that they all found themselves in with him coming over to, to San for Cardiff and it's bits like that where you can really see the kind of the, the humanity in a person and dealing with that and moving through that and leading the club, leading Borough through COVID and trying to keep everyone's spirits up and. All these, I mean, it'd be nice to have precedented times on it. We seem to be just going through unprecedented time after unprecedented time mm. and coming out the back of that and, and always understanding fundamentally what the important bits were, the fans, the players, and the interaction between those those kind of different entities and what makes a club what it is. And I, I think he probably got properly got it. And as much as we've all probably seen him go health leather on a touchline and he's probably been booed out of stadiums, I still think across the board, whether it begrudgingly or not, maybe that's the wrong word, that if maybe not so now, maybe five years ago, if the owner had come out and said, we've got a new manager, who is it? It's Neil Warnock. There'd have been an element that would have gone, but a lot of them would have gone, you know what? You know what? Yeah, we're going to give it a, might give it a go here, you know, with regards well, to I how we're going to go is, about think, it. Um, I think it's like when, when he's your manager, you love him. But when, he, when, yeah. when, you're, when, he, when you're like an opposition fan, you dislike him because of the way he is, but I think yeah. I've always liked him as a character. I, I wish he was. Yeah. A, I wish he managed City at some point, but 
obviously it's never happened. But yeah. I think I think it would because it is it, about identity as well. He's a very proud Yorkshireman. He's a very proud son of Sheffield. But given, as we've said, and we're all slightly biased given by virtue of the fact of where we're all from, there's a uniqueness to that part of the country, that part of our little bit that sticks out yeah. into the sea that we're all very, very proud about. And you can never get away from it. If you run as far mm. as Huddersfield, nothing like you've done, or stayed pretty local, Tom, like you've done, yeah. it never it never leaves you, does it? No, it doesn't. Mm. You always end up coming back. Like You can go away for <laughs> a long yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, well, um, I didn't necessarily want to date this podcast, but you've already said it's Neil Warnock's birthday today. So, you know, <laughs> we definitely know what it is. Um, so I'd be remiss, uh, especially as we've got the background. So I'll ask you the, the big question. Um, is football coming home? <laughs> I sincerely hope so. Mm-hmm. I think from what we've seen so far, they've been perfunctory. They were very boring against the USA. I, I can't think... I can't think the centre of Hull was bouncing off the, off the back of that, was it? Bloody hell. Have you both seen um, the results tonight? No. I, I, right, so I was I watching saw, the first half. Spain were winning 1-0. Right, okay. Spain winning 1-0 first half. Uh, Germany winning 1-0 at half-time. And now we've had... <laughs> right. So now Japan have beaten Spain 2-1 and Germany have won 4-2 against Costa Rica. Yeah. And Costa Rica winning 2-1 at one point in that game as well. Yeah, they so came from Germany, behind, didn't Germany? Germany are out, yeah. Germany wrote. Despite winning 4 2, yeah. So, I'm not too displeased about that, I must say. Back to back World Cups now. I'm surprised. I'm not dis. I mean, it's, it's as much as it, we, we all, I mean, everyone's looking at Brazil and possibly Argentina, weren't they, with that kind of heart shaped box for, for England put in there as well. But my God. Mm. I mean, Martinez has gone as well, hasn't he? He's, he says his contract's done because the World Cup's done. He's, he's walked off. Mm, so, in, yeah. in, in answer to your question, Nathaniel, yeah, why, why shouldn't it come home when it's all gone exactly. to whatever? <laughs> well, we've got to win the games first. We've got Sunday yes. goals in, but uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> by, think it's coming by home. virtue of knockout football, we've, we've got to win, got the, to win games the games before mm. we Mike get Lowen. to the final. Michael right. in there. Michael <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Well, we can't get ahead of ourselves, but we will We will win them exactly. when we win. When we win the, all the games, come home. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Well, see, uh, see I, I told you it's very straightforward. Just say what you think. Exactly, <laughs> as long as you say it in exactly. a charming way, people don't mind. <laughs> um, does anyone have anything to add? Otherwise, I'll do my very complex outro. No, I think that's everything, to be fair. Okay. I've well, really enjoyed it, lads. I've, 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 thank you so much for having me on. It's, yeah. been, it's been great fun. I'm sorry that Liam blanked me. See, as soon as he left Sky Sports, he, he forgot. I mean, I was in the dust. Mm. But I think, yeah. um, like I said, I've, I've watched a lot of these and listened to a lot of these. And I think what you do is. Cracking it, and as I said, award worthy. As I as I read in dispatch, exactly. so well done for that. Well, I forgot to mention that. So thanks for doing my job for me. But yeah, we are. Um, I'll do the award winning outro. Thank you very much for coming on, David Prutton of Sky Sports, and uh, former professional footballer of almost fifty games, as I wrote down. <laughs> and thanks for coming on, Tom. Lots of great questions. So um, uh, hopefully, we'll be back very soon to talk about um, England um, Hull's fantastic duel with Transmspor um, in the friendly match. And I'm um, looking ahead to the Senegal game. So we'll probably be back uh, tomorrow night, the, the day after Neil Warnock's birthday. So thanks very much again. Hopefully everyone's enjoyed. And we'll see you again very soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport powered by fans.